0: Hello everyone, Marvin here. In today's episode we'll be talking pregnancy, face masks, the start of labour strikes in the US, whether the virus has mutated in Brazil and we'll be mainly focusing on an interview with a linguist in Taiwan, the country off the coast of China where life has pretty much gone on as usual. This is The Live Ape. Okay, so today is the 2nd of April, a significant day in terms of the virus because it's the day when the planet Earth has reached a million confirmed cases of coronavirus. The Worldwide death toll has passed 50,000 and more than 200,000 have recovered. In the US, we've seen weekly unemployment hit a record high of 6.6 million. Well, World Bank has launched a 1.9 billion emergency fund to help 25 countries, starting with India. UK health experts have expressed frustration at low virus testing compared to other developed nations. And the UK health secretary has responded to this by setting a goal of 100,000 tests in England per day by the end of the month, which is a long way away. So today, oh, breaking news. I've just seen this right now. The U.S. aircraft carrier commander, Brett Crozier, has been removed from his post after he complained that the that the U.S. Navy was not doing enough to prevent coronavirus from spreading rampantly through the aircraft carrier. So the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt uh, has been removed from his post. So he'd written a letter to his bosses that I believe was leaked saying that urgent action uh, needs to be taken to prevent American troops from dying outside of wartime. Uninfected members of the ship's 4,000 crew are being quarantined in Guam after the governor of the US Island Territory said they could stay as long as they had no interactions with the locals. Interesting. So, pregnancy. Now, this is important. If you'd listened to episode one, you would know that my wife is pregnant, as is the doctors, uh, Dr. Ricky who was in that episode. Uh, Obviously, it is uh, an area I'm interested in. As a result, uh, my wife is due to give birth in June, uh, where hospitals could very well still be in the midst of this outbreak, uh, which is a concern. But what we do know is that Wuhan University studied nine pregnant women. A small study, so obviously we have to be careful. But of those nine that were positive for coronavirus, None of the newborn babies had the virus. But interestingly, they did have antibodies in their system. So that's what they found out recently, which suggests that the mother's antibodies passed into the baby, but essentially the good old placenta did a strong job of preventing the virus from passing into the fetus. So that's all good. Some encouragement there for expectant mothers. Masks now why you should wear masks so a few weeks ago generally the word was we don't need to worry too much about masks as members of the general public because if you have the virus fair enough it can stop you from passing it on but that the virus can get through the mask and we need them for the the health service etc however japanese research by the japanese association for infectious diseases have done this video analysis Um, So the director general of the Chinese CDC uh, has also said we should wear masks based on this Japanese research. The droplets containing the virus typically drop within six feet. So for those larger droplets you are fine and basically I will try and put this link on my website. This is a fantastic video in terms of analysis because you've got two chaps here who are simulating Uh, sneezing and what we can see is that under the sneeze the virus essentially you see these larger droplets a bit of an explosion and gradually fall as it says within six feet however and this is the slightly scary part there are a lot of micro droplets and you clearly see that they kind of hover in the air they hang in the air and are still in the air for 20 minutes. This is in an enclosed space with little airflow, some little. If the doors are open, there's open windows, that changes significantly and it's blown and it settles somewhere fairly soon. But this is this is interesting because it does suggest you should wear a mask when going out, particularly in places such as supermarkets, particularly smaller convenience stores where there is less circulation. Uh, particularly maybe places like GP surgeries or anywhere you may be outside of your home that is confined. If someone has been there 20 minutes before and coughed or sneezed, then it's a bit of an issue. The CDC still maintains masks aren't required unless you are sick, and maybe they're right. Particularly if people are irresponsible and start hoarding them, we do need the medical personnel to have priority over this. But it's still an issue, something to be aware of. If you have your own mask, then fantastic. Um, If not, use them with caution and responsibility. Now let's move to Austria, where masks are now compulsory. So this protection debate is shifting over here as well. Austria, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Bosnia, Herzegovina, all now require you to wear masks in public. The Austrians say that the masks, however, are unlikely to stop these micro droplets, but more needs to be known. Back to America now. Amazon employees are organising strikes for unsafe working conditions. I've got a quote here. Since the building won't close by itself, we're going to have to force Amazon's hand. A chap here, uh, Mr. Smalls, said, We will not return until the buildings get sanitised. Interestingly, hundreds did walk out saying they wanted masks and gloves and proper distancing at work, but Chris Smalls was fired. Refusing to stay in isolation despite the fact that he was complaining about the conditions. uh, He apparently came into contact with someone that was infected, was told to isolate, and didn't. I guess because he wanted to make sure that the strike was happening. Not very clear, Uh, but unfortunately, he's lost his job. So maybe think twice about whether or not the thing you're ordering is essential to your life if you order a lot of things from Amazon, for instance. Next, Bloomberg have a story about police being deployed on the streets of Sicily's capital, Palermo, amid reports gangs are using social media to plot attacks on stores. A bankrupt ferry company halted service to the island, including vital supplies of food and medicines. As the state creaks under the strain of the coronavirus pandemic, officials worry the mafia may be preparing to step in. And this is something which has not really been talked about but some people, uh, not in mainstream media, are saying it is. there's a certain level of inevitability towards an increase of crime, organized crime, potentially looting, particularly uh, when the money starts to run out, when gangs organize, when vital services, when people are being isolated, Uh, In the last episode, I talked about how thousands and thousands of New York NYPD were not currently on duty because of showing coronavirus symptoms. And there will be opportunists to take advantage of that. New Jersey have become the first state in America to ration food. And finally, for now Brazil, Fundacao Osvaldo Cruz, one of the world's most respected tropical disease and public health research institutions, well, they're talking about how the health minister gave recommendations for social distancing and self-isolation weeks and weeks ago. Now, however, uh, our friend Bolsonaro is saying that Brazil can't stop and is planning to this idea of flexible quarantine, uh, essentially copying Britain's fantastic original idea of herd immunity by not doing too much. Uh, so today we can say that the virus which is circulating in Brazil already has Brazilian characteristics. So this institution of tropical disease is saying that it it has mutated to adapt to the country. The Brazilian virus already has a cluster of viral conglomerates, which makes it different from that which is circulating in China or in European countries. OK, and now a list of good news. Yesterday, for the fourth day in a row, China reported a drop in new coronavirus infections, Wuhan, had no new cases for six days. Several shoppers lined up to pay for the food of two paramedics in the Sainsbury's in Essex, UK, at the weekend. The pair received cheers and praise for their service. A Colombian rebel group, the ELN, has declared a month-long ceasefire in response to the pandemic, calling it a humanitarian gesture. So, well done, the Colombian rebels. Some of the UK's best-known sporting venues have been offered to the NHS to help the battle against coronavirus. Wembley Stadium, Twickenham, Lord's, the Principality and Silverstone could become field hospitals. The NHS has enlisted EasyJet and Virgin Atlantic staff who are are currently out of work to help with non-clinical support in the new Nightingale hospitals. People in Italy have started anonymously leaving essential food items in public places for others. In Naples, he says, there is an added twist. The food is left in wicker baskets suspended from balconies in the city's alleyways. I love this. On one basket, someone placed a handwritten sign. Chi puo metta. Chi non puo prenda. Which means those who can leave something. Those who cannot take something. That is pretty awesome. China and the US have pledged to work together to fight the pandemic in the first telephone exchange between each country's health minister since January. A great-grandmother aged 94 is believed to have become the oldest woman in the UK to beat coronavirus. There you go. After fighting the infection for nine days, Joy thanked the NHS staff and said she was overjoyed at how helpful and brilliant everyone was at the hospital. I couldn't fault them for helping so many people she said. And Warwick Castle has been donating their food deliveries to local food banks and Morrison's has planned to give away £10 million of food to food banks, which will be delivered by their community champions. Well done, uh, Warwick Castle and Morrison's. Scientists in Hong Kong have been experimenting with giving a bloom serum from recovered coronavirus hamsters to non-infected hamsters and then giving them the virus. The test has found the viral load in the second subject has been 10 times smaller. It's thought that doing this with humans could help them recover. And last but not least, Paul Chuckle of the comedy legendary duo, the Chuckle Brothers, has said he is on the mend after being laid up with coronavirus. So that's fantastic. Now on to today's interview. This is with Peter, a linguist in Taiwan. Taiwan have hit the headlines for all the right reasons. As soon as there were some suspicious cases in Wuhan, they started to step up what they already had in place, uh, quarantine systems at airports. And from what I've read, if you had a temperature or if you were any potential risk of having infection, then straight away you were asked to go to a safe place, which may be your home, and quarantine yourself. And they have a system in place there where they track you on the phone, And if you go within a certain boundary, then straight away you get a message from the authority saying get back home or you will be in trouble. Of course, they do have the benefits of hindsight after being hit particularly hard by previous SARS epidemic benchmark country for containing the virus. So much so that many accounts suggest that life has pretty much gone on as normal. And that's why I thought it would be useful to speak to someone in Taiwan, just to get a real insight as to what it's like there, is it a good system, and what can we learn from such a country. So Peter, can you tell me the story of how coronavirus first arrived and was dealt with in Taiwan?
1: Life hasn't really changed that much for people in Taiwan, unless you're somebody who regularly tries to leave the country for work or maybe you travel around a lot so basically the main restrictions here are on travel um both in and out of the country if you have remained in the country this whole time that this thing has been going on then your life hasn't really changed that much um, there's lots of restaurants and other places where they insist on checking your temperature before you go in and on spraying your hands with sanitizer um, the schools were also shut for two weeks in february uh, that was basically because um, they had like the uh, Lunar New Year holiday here. So the schools were already closed and basically what they did is they extended the vacation for another two weeks. Um, and that, the idea of that was they did it for two weeks because they thought that that was how long the virus uh, lasted. Um, they basically figured that if people had gone abroad during that time, when they came back, the schools would be closed for two weeks. Hopefully if anyone was gonna get sick, that would happen in those two weeks. Um, So those are the biggest changes that have happened. Like at the moment, basically, there's no lockdown. There's no restrictions on our movements within Taiwan. It's only if we try to go out. So, yeah, apart from those few little things, not much has changed. So in that
0: case, what would you say is the general Taiwanese opinion of how the rest of the world, in particular Europe and the UK, have responded?
1: In terms of how Taiwan feels about the rest of the world, um, basically, I think that in Taiwan people feel like Europe, America, those places in particular just weren't ready and didn't really take it that seriously. Um, The after effect of that is that um, the approval rating of the governing party here has skyrocketed because people have felt like they did a good job of containing it. Um, Our vice president here is an epidemiologist and he was one of the key people in charge when uh, the SARS outbreak happened and at that time he was still a doctor. so he's got personal experience of like how to deal with this type of outbreak. Now, obviously, SARS wasn't as contagious, it seems, as COVID-19 is. Um, but at, at the same time, he had experience of dealing with this. And I think that's important because basically the UK in particular... Um, the news there has been going on about how this is unprecedented, um, so of course the government doesn't really know how to handle it, but it's not unprecedented everywhere in the world. In East Asia they had the SARS epidemic and then they've also had MERS uh, and swine flu, and they've been on the case in those things the whole time. So people here have been very sort of aware of this kind of illness and this kind of outbreak for a while, in particular the people who are in control of the country. So. If, you know, the countries in Europe had actually paid attention to what places in East Asia were doing a bit more closely, they might have, they might have been able to act a bit quicker. And I think in Taiwan, the general feeling is the reason they didn't act quicker is because they they just didn't take it that seriously. They were just, they just thought, oh, well, you know, the death rate is not that high. It's a long way away. It's in a, you know, it's in the Far East. We'll be fine. Um, And obviously that hasn't really been how it's worked out, which is pretty bad for everybody back home. But hopefully, you know, going forward, the governments will um, learn from their mistakes. I think another important factor to put into the question of uh, how Taiwan views the way the rest of the world has dealt with the virus is that the world has obviously relied upon advice from the WHO. But the advice from the WHO seems to have been fatally flawed. And people in Taiwan have been extremely critical of that because... The WHO will not allow Taiwan to join. And the reason they won't allow Taiwan to join is because China says that Taiwan is a part of it. Um, now, that's all well and good in theory. Whatever your take on that is, you know, we can debate that. But the simple truth of the matter is that Taiwan is an independent country in reality. Like, on paper, you can say what you want, but the reality is they've got their own president, they've got their own laws, they've got their own system of government. So... It, for all intents and purposes, they're a independent country. And not being allowed into WHO means that they weren't allowed to, sh- or, although they shared their advice with the WHO, it was just sort of uh, fobbed off, if you like. It wasn't, the Taiwanese didn't really feel like they were listened to, and certainly they were not privy to any of the information that the WHO had. So they've sort of been uh, like frozen out, if you like. So they've just done it in their own way. And they've ignored the advice that who gave in the beginning now in the beginning the who said all kinds of things like china's got it under control there's no human to human transmission and all of those things ended up being wrong so a lot of people here in taiwan are like well the who is now just basically the lapdog of the chinese communist party that's how they feel and they've been pretty annoyed and upset that their country's done such a great job and they've been basically ignored by the majority of people there's only been a few sort of articles here and there in a few of the uh a few of the more far reaching newspapers that have actually reported on what the situation has been like here
0: so what's your view on how british newspapers have reported on taiwan
1: so there's been a few reports which have mentioned taiwan like in the guardian and things like that um, those reports have tended to have, have focused on some of the reasons why Taiwan might have been able to contain the virus. Well, personally, I just think it's all down to the way that the government have handled it um, and to do with travel bans. I think that they have been really, really key in uh, how Taiwan has has dealt with it. Um, not allowing people into the country has worked very well as as horrible as it may sound, it, it has actually been quite effective and it didn't start off as a ban, a complete ban, it started off just with health checks for people who were coming in from areas where they had cases so it started off being you know, a bit more relaxed but they were taking it seriously, so they were asking you where you had been they were taking it very seriously, they were talking about, they were keeping a record of where you had been, not just in terms of like where you had come from but any other places that you might have been to before that and they were putting this into a database so they could keep track of people so that if anything had happened, they could hunt you down and be like, we want to test you. For example, right now, if I was to get some sort of sickness and I had a high temperature, I would have to go to a big hospital. I would probably be put into an isolation ward as a precaution, and then I would be tested for COVID-19. That's just the way it's done here because they want to know for sure what's wrong with you. Then, of course, if it turns out that it's like flu or some other illness, then they know that they don't need to quarantine me they can send me home and tell me to rest um, and it's a different thing so those precautions have really made a huge difference in how well they've managed to contain it there's been a new spike in the last uh, couple of weeks and i think they've got now over 200 cases only 200 cases 80 percent of those have been people who've returned from other countries there's only been 37 cases where people have actually caught it in taiwan so that's actually really good compared to elsewhere
0: and what can you tell me about the healthcare system in Taiwan?
1: The healthcare system here is a little bit uh, sim- sort of similar to, to the NHS back home, except it's not universal free. Like it's not free at point of purchase for um, for healthcare here. You pay a healthcare premium, which is comes out of your wage automatically every month that's about £20 a month and then you pay about £5 to see a doctor and get your medication it's all included if you go to a hospital it can be slightly more expensive for example if you go to the ER but when I say slightly I really do mean very slightly so maybe like seven or eight pounds to go to the ER here Um, that's it so it it is pretty cheap Um, you do you do tend to pay for medication and for hospitalization Um, and again like that might be between 10 to 20 pounds a day, depending on how serious your things are. Um, but there are some hospitals which are completely free or to which you can apply for a subsidy if you're unable to afford um, the <clears throat> the amount of money that, that you might be charged for going in. Um, and there's also like uh, private healthcare, Like, for example, an insurance policy here is really, really cheap. So a lot of people have those. Um, for example, I have I have that kind of insurance, so when I've had like uh, muscular problems and had to go to the physiotherapy here, I've paid to begin with, and then the insurance company have actually reimbursed me 100% of the fee. So the healthcare system here has played a big part. Um, the other thing that's played a big part has also been the quarantine, uh, the way that they have done the quarantine in more recent uh, weeks. And that is that um, it's compulsory. So you're basically you have to stay in a room for 14 days. If you are lucky enough to be a Taiwanese citizen, or if you're a resident here and you have an apartment or a house to stay in, then you basically just have to stay in your house. And they literally will not let you step out the front door. They track your phone, um, and they know if you've if you've gone out or if you've left, um, which again sounds pretty extreme but most people here are pretty happy to go along with that because they feel they understand why. They want they want this thing to be contained.
0: And has there been any stories of people breaking quarantine? How do the authorities look on that?
1: It's important to remember that while it's been really good here in Taiwan, there has still been a few um, people who haven't uh, played by the rules. For example, recently, um, two different people were caught breaking their quarantine. One of them actually went to a nightclub um, and both of them were fined a million Taiwanese dollars, which is about the equivalent of 25,000 pounds. And again, most people here feel like that was quite justified because like I said, they're all sort of buying into the idea that the government is doing its best to protect everyone and they wanna be protected. So they're happy for this small group of people to go through this process um and they accept that that's that's the way things have to be at this current moment in time
0: and that was peter a british linguist in taiwan giving us a fantastic insight into life in the country that with hindsight has prepared very well for pandemics such as this one, and maybe will give us an insight into some of the future interventions we will have to prevent us making the same mistakes. And that's all we have time for. Please like us on Facebook at The Live Ape or Twitter at The Live Ape. And if you do have any information or comments, you can contact us at, the live ape at yahoo.com. So keep washing those hands, keep your distance, stay safe, and I'll see you next time on The Live Ape.